The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair Podcast with your host Lakeisha. On today's session, I have a very special guest, Alex Hardy, who is an author, a writer, a podcaster himself, a teacher, and a mental health advocate. How cool is that, you guys? Alex, would you like to say hi to the TEC listeners? Hello, 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 listeners. Hi. So... Alex, I guess if you can talk a little bit more about your background and all you do. Uh, sure. I don't even know where to begin. Well, mainly, I I guess first of all, I would describe myself as a writer. Um, I write for, I'm a freelance writer, so I write for myself, um, thecolorboy.com and theextraordinarynegroes.com, our podcast website. As well as um, a regular contributor to VerySmartBrothers.com, and uh, write for SaintHeron.com, which is Solange's. And um, I write for for Ebony and The Root and places like that. Um, aside from that, I do a podcast uh, with Jay Connor called The Extraordinary Negroes, and we put out episodes bi-weekly. We talk about all types of things of interest to the Black community. Um, humor and you know insight we just talk about all types mm-hmm. of things of sex and sexuality fatherhood and motherhood and food and travel and entrepreneurship and all types of stuff um and we are on yeah a couple of different platforms I, wherever you get your 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 podcast we are there um i and mental health yeah mm-hmm. i i do a lot of talking and teaching and tweeting about mental health um, whenever I can. Um, I, I talk about it on Facebook. I ask people about, you know, how's your self-care and, you know, and um, yeah, I talk about it in my writing. I, I, I do sit on panels and talk mm-hmm. about my experiences with mental health or I'm ho- I host events to talk about, uh, you know, that deal with mental health. Anything to really get folks to um, talk about this thing that affects so many of us and kind of, you know, in all settings, just like we talk about other things that are wrong with our body. So, um, mm-hmm. and I also writing workshops when I can about that either are creative writing or um, that use writing to work through mental health issues. Um, mm-hmm. It's called literary therapy. And we just, you know, use reading and discussion and we use a bunch of different writing exercises and techniques to um, yeah, expound and, and go through therapy and self-care and all types of ugly and pretty stuff so yes awesome so you're definitely involved in a lot of different things when do you find time to sleep uh, that's a question <laughs> <laughs> i mean but you're doing some great work especially you know just with me being a therapist i'm all for um having more people in the community being mental health advocates and if you can tell the listeners how did you get on that train to just be an advocate for mental health uh sure i first uh, started experiencing uh, mental health issues uh would say well noticeable mental health issues uh would say in like the spring of 2013 okay uh, and i was living in panama and i was teaching business i had a, a company teaching business english to spanish-speaking professionals you know bankers and teachers and lawyers and things like that mm-hmm. and um i was also teaching dance classes at, at a couple dance studios i was choreographing and teaching with the studio i was teaching um cardio dance classes 
um, that, um, you know, I thought I was in the gym and a couple of different dance studios and fitness places around town. And I just started, um, at the end of the year, I started uh, freelancing. Um, I'm sorry, yes, at the end of 2013, I started freelancing and writing for the internet and pitching and all different places like that. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, once I had my experiences and went through everything I went through and came back stateside, one of the ways that I, um, I'll go more into my journey later, but I did, you know, one of the ways that uh, helped me kind of bounce back from a dark place, you know, I had to leave Panama just so it wasn't in a good place. Mm-hmm. And um, writing about it and talking about it, you know, kind mm-hmm. of helped me feel less scared about it and it made everything feel less terrible so um, I just started with an article on an essay on Gawker uh, that was edited by a wonderful brother named Jason Parham and he um, kind of guided me through you know putting those that putting my story out there for the first time I'd never really spoken about it before or, or I'd mentioned it mm-hmm. and I guess I never really named it before I wrote that essay and you know it was scary and I you know went back and forth about okay, I don't want to publish this, wait, I changed my mind, you know, take it down. Mm, but um, yeah. just like taking that first step and putting it out there, it it just made, like I said, it, 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 it put me at ease. I thought it was definitely terrifying, but the, the response from it was just um, reassuring mm-hmm. and also saddening because it showed me how many of us are out here struggling and like dealing with things that you would never know. I'm like, you too? Like, wow, I would never guess. Right. Um, and it really just showed me, like, there's no look, there's no type, there's no face, there's no profile. Mm-hmm. People have issues. And so I just, you know, I did that one. And I did another, you know, a couple other essays over the next few months. And it just became easier each time. And each time more and more people would reach out, like, yo, my God, like, you talk, this is exactly what I'm going through. Um, you know, I do all these wonderful, amazing things. I come home at night and I cry or I struggle to get out of bed in the morning or... Yeah. Uh, my husband doesn't know, my kids don't know, my job, you know, I can't tell my job, or I don't want to be seen as weak. And so I just felt like there's obviously more of us out here who are dealing with this thing and, you know, this range of issues. And, you know, I'll, just the more I talk about it, like, I, I feel like I, even if I can just help one or make one person, you know, find some commonality in what they're experiencing or maybe be, you know, inspired to go to therapy or, to, or seek help or even just to let someone know what they're going through. Um, I figured, like, yeah, this is something I could do and it feels easy. Not easy, but, like, right. this feels what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and, yeah, it just was a natural progression, just, you know, talking about it myself. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was like, oh, hey, I saw you have this workshop. Would you like to come teach at our university? Or would you like to sit on this panel? Would you like to talk mm-hmm. to this class? So it was just a natural progression. And, um, you know, I was looking for more to do. Yeah, that's so awesome. And now, if you can kind of explain, so did you get officially diagnosed with anything, or how did that come about for... Yeah, so uh, it started in Panama. I was, like, doing... uh, It was great because, you know, I was able to see, yes, you're capable of doing all these amazing things, but I was... um, I've always had a hard time celebrating my victories, and Mm -hmm. I've always been, like, very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, just the standard I set and wanting to do more and be better and, you know, just be able to accomplish more. And I basically overwhelmed myself as I was doing all these great things, but I, like, there for me to be trying to wear eight hats at once mm-hmm. and to try to, you know, do 17, you know, just do so many different things, you know, to 100%. It's just not possible. Right. And um, it just really wore me down. And I really think that it was just a, a prolonged period of not taking care of myself, not listening to myself, um, you know, like, 
prolonged, just being stressed all the time. Okay. Uh, you know, I was running a business in Panama. I, you know, I was learning Spanish as I was running a business in oh, Spanish. Wow. It was madness. Um, <laughs> but it was great. Yeah. You know, I yeah. met people and uh, yeah, I did a lot of things. But basically, so basically, it I kind of knew like, okay, this is probably depression. Um, I knew it was anxiety because I started having panic attacks for the first time in Panama. Okay. And like, you know, not being able, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a list maker, so I would have like lists of lists that I needed to make and like, uh-huh. I got to do this and you never have enough time and I was just not able to complete or be good enough and I, all that stress would just pile over to the next day and the next day and the next day mm-hmm. and I just wasn't listening to myself or seeing any of the signs and like, why are you uh, drinking, um, you know, before classes or why are you smoking, you know, so often or why are you, right. you know, sleeping so much? You're not dancing as much. I mean, I was started gaining weight, you know, my skin mm-hmm. crazy. And um, I just, I was able to let my parents know, um, yeah, like, it went on for a really long time. I fought it for so long, just like trying to be okay. Yeah. And, yeah, you're fine. You know, stress stress is a part of adulthood. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, this is what you're supposed to be. You're, you know, you're a black man. You're making everybody proud. You're doing all these great things in Panama. And you're meeting your family. You're learning Spanish. Right. And they just came to a head. And I was just having a really dark day. Mm-hmm. And I started writing that letter. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it scared me. And I started, you know, I called my parents. And, you know, that was the first time I had to let them know, like, I'm not okay. Uh, I've been kind of fronting and, and, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to push through. And basically, I need to leave Panama or I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I left. Like, two weeks later, they got me out of there. And um, I went back home to Virginia with family. And I, I had, you know, I fought it. I fought it for a really long time. I, but I gave away my classes. You know, I, you know, brought some new teachers on to kind of, like, you take over this class. Mm-hmm. You know, I left classes go, I let my, you know, cardio dance classes go, and I just kind of um, faded out and went home and um, went to, thankfully, the, um, Virginia has a really good, um, not really good, but they have mm-hmm. some programs um, for, like, the city had, the city of Hampton has, uh, like, sliding scale programs, and so, like, I just happened to ask about mental health services, Okay. and they were like, sure, absolutely, here's a referral. And they hooked me up with someone, and I had a first appointment, and, you know, within a couple of sessions, she was like, yeah, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, this is depression, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's been going on for quite some time, and also anxiety, and uh, that was kind of the start of, like, okay, we have a diagnosis, and here we go, here we are. Yeah, yeah. First off, let me um, just congratulate you on just taking that step to reach out for help to let your family know. Because I think you hit it right on the head. You know, you was fronting, trying to make them seem like everything was everything. You just blackmail, you on your own, you doing your thing, got your business popping, everything is going good, right? Right. You know, who wants to be like, yeah, uh, everything is not all good. Because on the outside, everything is going great for you. It looks wonderful on the outside. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. And now, do you know if, like, um, your parents ever battled with depression or anxiety or anybody in your family? Yes. Um, definitely in my peer group. Um, and it's funny, like, being open about that kind of stuff, it brings, it actually brings, it helped me find, like, new community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, people opened up to me in new ways that they probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, I was able to, uh, you know, 
into of mine, you know, opened up to let me know, like, yes, they're struggling too. They're struggling with this. You know, some people had much worse situations than I had. But yeah, I mean, every, you know, I just think being in this country, black and of a certain age, and you know, just you can't help but be affected in some kind of way. And you know, we just we don't have the systems in place to like really support everyone like emotionally, mentally. So yes, I I unfortunately found out that like a number of my friends were going through it, mm-hmm. and. Some had been in therapy, some had never been in therapy, some had considered, you know, some had religious backgrounds and were kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. dealt all that stuff and prayed away and you give Mm -hmm. it to God and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, people are going through it out here. Wow. And now I'm assuming, and you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but just taking that stab at it when you said like you were fronting, you know, everything was everything. Did you feel ashamed then the feelings that you were feeling and the emotions that were coming to you? And yes, I felt like you're a smart dude. You are capable. Like you're supposed to be able to like do it. Like, you know, I just thought like I wasn't trying hard enough or I, you know, I was having trouble concentrating. It was just like a lot of little things. Um, you know, I think, you know, myself, mm-hmm. uh, uh, self image was kind of plummeting and yeah, I was definitely trying to paint the picture of I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to take that on. And I, not that the, I would say it would make me weak. It's just that like, I didn't have any personal dealings with mental health up until that point, like with anyone, you know, around me kind mm-hmm. of like any, in an intimate way. So I was a little scared of, you know, being mm-hmm. diagnosed. Um, I, it was it was dual. I was scared of being diagnosed, but I, I wanted to know for sure that what it was. Oh, okay. Uh, I I um yeah. I, I wanted to just know like what is this? I'm not you know not I don't I don't you know use the you know call myself crazy these days, but like I I really I was convinced that I was crazy. Hmm. Um, and just you know you should be able to do this. You know you're smart. You're capable. Mm-hmm. Why can't you balance all this stuff? You know. When in reality, like, I was trying to do, like, an inhuman amount of stuff at the same time and mm. being on with the expectations that I was putting on myself, but you don't see all that in the moment. Right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you for just sharing those pieces, you know, because I know this will help somebody, especially within the black community, right? Because I think those stigmas associated with mental health, and like you said, you know, calling yourself crazy at that time, you know, of course you don't now, but at the moment you're like, yeah, I'm really going crazy, you know, and just think of how many people in the black community hear that, you know, or, or when they're sharing those stories with their family and the family doesn't understand because they don't know how to respond. And and I mean, it's not their fault, but I think, you know, that's why we have more people like you being mental health advocates to get out there and have those conversations with individuals and kind of like letting them know the steps to kind of help somebody who may be going through mental health issues. That's that's what's yeah, you know, like, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, you know, a lot of us are dealing, but yeah, like you said, some of us, we just, we aren't equipped, we don't, we don't know how to even address these types of situations, or like, changes in people, or, you know, these behaviors, or these, you know, these, I don't know, we just, you know, we don't have the language, we don't have knowledge, like, it's just so much, and so, yeah, I just, I just feel like it's, the more we talk about it, you know, the, the, the less revolutionary or something like what I'm doing will be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So at um Alex, at what point did you finally get comfortable with 
I guess seeing a therapist, I guess it must have been that piece where it was like, well, I really need to know what this is that that's going on with me, right? Listen, I walked into that first <laughs> session. Now, I'm a planner. I'm a list maker. I had my questions down, and, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to know this and this and this. Okay. And, you know, I mean, and, and mind you, like, I, I was terrified. Terrified. Like, but on that, as soon as I sat down, I just uncorked and just let it, you know, because my thinking was, and the last point in my questions in my journal was like, okay, so how many sessions is this going to take? <laughs> so, I was like, okay, what's the plan? Okay. What's the date? What's the game plan? What are we doing? How we, you know, and I, it really, I really had to learn it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, there's no secret code that she can give me. Um, she, she, she doesn't, like, there's no switch that she's going to flip. And it, I really was like, okay, like, when is the secret code? Like, when is... Like when is she gonna tell me the thing? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but in that first session, though, like I was just like I was real. I actually cried at the end of my first session. I was just oh. proud to be there. Like I was just yeah. considering the year that it, you know, the journey that I'd had in that year in 2013, and like all that. It was, mm-hmm. Um, I honestly didn't think I would be alive to even be in therapy. Wow. And so, like, I was just glad to, like, I made it. That's what I kept thinking that whole session. Like, mm-hmm. I made it. I'm here. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen after this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, you know, how long is it going to take or, but I was, I just, that was just the, the only thing I could keep thinking um, is that, like, I made it. I'm here. Um, but, yes, yeah, but it, and also, I think something we mentioned before, like, before we got on the call, mm-hmm. uh, I had a, it was white, I had a white woman. I definitely was intending on having a black therapist. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I walked into the office and I saw a black woman behind the, behind the uh, counter. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yes, that's her, of course. That's my therapist. Right. And, you know, they called my name and I signed all these papers. And the black woman, she went on out to lunch. <laughs> and <laughs> they called my name and I'm like, well, there's one reason she gets back. Okay. And um, this, what, nice, this white woman came out and shook my hand and... You know, she was like, you know, hi. And we went from there. And uh, I was skeptical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, in that first session, like, she just, she got it. Like, okay. she just got it. Like, I didn't feel that hesitation or that, um, you know, this is, and, you know, I don't know a lot of white people that intimately, I, mm-hmm. I'll admit. So, you know, telling this white woman and, and me, you know, <laughs> out here living life and getting it popping out in Panama and all this stuff I got going on. Um, it was a new experience, but I knew that it was necessary. Like, I just knew it was necessary. Right. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So she must have been a really great therapist because, you know, I, that is the key with even starting the therapeutic relationship is being able to build Comfort. rapport, you know, yeah. and you feeling connected yeah. and comfortable. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, it took me a while to realize, like, okay. Uh, I'm, I, actually, I actually really am doing the work and she was just guiding me to yeah. these aha, you know, to these moments and to these realizations and um, she was just good at that and mm-hmm. I realized after a while like I know what you're doing but like it's working <laughs> you know like she would just say like oh so oh with you know doing XYZ oh that means this hmm interesting and and, and <laughs> you know that was just oh, okay and here I go off on a tangent and so it just she mm-hmm. just got it um and also, I realized, like, I'm here, you know, you're here, you're, you know, you're working, I'm, you know, I'm entrusting you for this mm-hmm. service, so, like, you don't hear everything, like, yeah. I'm gonna tell you everything that I can't tell other people, and it just, 
like, yeah, I can't talk to um, mm -hmm. the dynamic that it creates, like being able to talk to the stranger with that like candor, it's really freeing. And so I just took advantage of that. And like, you know, my family, we're open and they're supportive, but I couldn't like uncork all of this stuff to my parents. And right. so, yeah, sure, I'm going to tell her, like, yeah. you know, and she, and it's real true. Like she can't judge me. You know, I don't walk out of here feeling like, oh, I think I, I embarrassed myself or um, she's going to think this about me. Like, I, I'm sure that what I'm telling her is mild as hell. So, right. um, you know, there was nothing to be ashamed of. So, yeah, I just kind of convinced myself. I don't, you know, once I realized there was no secret formula, like, it, you just got to be in it to win it and see what happens. Yeah, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. And, you know... Thank you again for just sharing your story and and like you said, how you made it. You know, you took that first step. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, but I want to talk a little more about the things you do with advocating for mental health. I know you are you are part of this project by You Are Okay and the Child Mind Institute. So you can kind of talk a little bit about what was that project that you're working on that you created a video for and what that was like and yes so uh yeah i got i was contacted to do a video for uh project you are okay and just to um they were yeah, really just giving like a pretty broad uh, uh so people from all over the you know all over the spectrum just mm -hmm. really sharing their issues and like letting people know that you know regardless of what you're going through you know, these ugly moments, these dark moments, whatever you have, you know, these imperfections you think you have or these shortcomings or, you know, mm -hmm. how terrible you think you are. Like, you're okay, and, you know, it's okay to not be okay, you know, and just kind of opening that door for that type of dialogue um, among, you know, people of all types of ages. Um, it was a really good um, project, um, and it really, um, you know, allowed me to, yeah, just kind of connect with some people who I think were doing some really great work. Um, and I think, you know, really great platform. And I think that, um, yeah, it's just a really good message to just, you know, it, to kind of encourage finding those commonalities and all of these experiences and struggles that we're going through. Definitely. And what I um, highlighted was something you actually said. So you said therapy day is my favorite day. Can you talk okay. a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I, it's the, like, one of the few times where I just feel, um, I mean, yes, it's hard work, mm -hmm. but I, I always feel, I always leave feeling like I either, um, you know, made an important realization or, um, you know, touch, I try to, t you know, touch on something new or, you know, I, I, I came to some, you know, conclusion or something. I just, it feels like it's, it's productive. It feels like work. Um, mm -hmm. I am able to kind of unburden myself during that time. And also this time, you know, again, uh, I did have a Latina therapist briefly when I moved to New York, but now I have another nice white lady. Okay. And um, <laughs> it just happens to be working out. And um, it's just, yeah, it's just freeing. I I carry a lot of stress. Um, I have a really hard time relaxing. Mm -hmm. um, it is hard to turn it off sometimes. I feel like I need to be doing like 60 different things. Um, and it's just a time where like I'm thinking about me mm -hmm. and I'm just like kind of digging through those bones and opening yeah. up those closets and just kind of getting all that stuff out there and um yeah I'm, I'm I mean I, I'm a dancer as well and the other time that I feel like that is when I'm dancing and I haven't really been dancing much these days so okay. I mean, therapy is kind of that um experience for me right now 
glad you highlighted that you did have a Latino therapist and now you are back to having um, a white therapist. But I know you kind of did mention for some people to have a therapist of the same race or cultural background is important. Yeah, and it is. It is absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, I mean, if only, you know, thing was enough uh, for therapists, uh, you know, because there's cultures and sexual things and gender and just all different types of life experiences, an infinite amount, really, of life experiences and situations and, and intersections. And there's really no way for, like, one therapist to know everything about everybody's culture and everybody's individual, you know, situation. Right. Uh, you know, and on the other hand, you just have therapists who just, you know, they're get it and they're able to put their personal, either their ignorances or their shortcomings aside mm -hmm. um, and just make the best of it and, you know, and still get it. And that's just kind of been what my experience has been. I've been fortunate. I know some people who've gone through therapists, you know, like five and six therapists before they found that one. Mm, um, yeah. And, and on, this, uh, on the other hand, um, being black or brown does not guarantee that this person will be a match for you either. That's true. I'm glad um, you said that. <laughs> yes, and 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 because yeah, like there, yeah, there's there is a lot of value in mm -hmm. a professional who you don't have to explain like the very basics of your humanity to like you know the parts of your black experience, or you don't have to go into depth about what is a microaggression, aggression, right. or you know what is. You know, like, there's just so much you don't have to explain through someone of, of your same, you know, your same cultural or racial background. So, um, yes, there is a lot of value in that. Um, but um, I'm actually, I'm, maybe I'm a little nervous about, like, starting over again. Okay. Um, like, you know, going for, uh, going down that path. It's like dating. So, yeah. like, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's like I got this good thing going on, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's yeah. I'm really nervous about like starting over again. So okay, uh, okay. But, but but I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was actually going to ask you about that. Like with just having the transition of um, new therapists, how has that been? You know, I know I, I've dealt with clients where they're like, okay, somebody new. Now I got to start and tell my story all over again. You yeah, know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, in the beginning, you do those, you know, the intake form, then you check off all these things, <laughs> you know, that first session. is like, that. I you all the same questions. And, I mean, it's, I say, like, well, now, I mean, having had this be my third therapist, you really have to listen to your gut. Um, it, like, just like in any situation, like, if there's something in this exchange, you know, they may be great, they may be black, they may have your, you know, they may be a soror or a frat bro right. or whatever, like. But, like, um, like, there's just so many things you have to, just to consider. And there's no one way to, like, know for everyone. But I, I know for me, the things that I keep in mind are things like, do I feel heard? Um, do I feel this person is, like, really hearing what I'm trying to say? And, mm -hmm. you know, is this person um, really in tune with my experience and not putting, you know, my not reading me as a demographic or a series of checkboxes, you mm -hmm. know? Um, is this person... Um, you know, am I spending too much time explaining myself or explain, you know, mm. basic black things, you know, or basic woman things or basic, you know, like, yeah. or like, there's sometimes you don't want to, like, just so much. There's just so much about you as, as us as people. And you don't want to have to spend that time explaining, like, the very basic things that don't have anything to do with, like, what the actual problem is. Right. Um, 
And, you know, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel easy and natural with them? I mean, you're going to be talking to this person about, like, all of your ugly stuff. And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> you know, got to be comfortable. And, yeah. like, the, my first, yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I got to New York, my first therapist, she was a Latina. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, great, she's brown, she's going to be great. Right. And it so happened that, like, Yes, it was cool. She was casual. She cursed. I cursed. It was awesome. Uh-huh. But it, it was, I think it was um, nothing against her uh, training, her abilities, nothing like that. But it just felt, it was like almost too familiar. Mm. Um, it, like, I felt like I was sitting in, in the in my homegirl's office on lunch break, just like having a laugh and having a chat. Oh. It was okay. kind of like... Um, Relate to me, that's fine. Like, on a human level, sure, you know? Right. But, um, certain things like, you know, like, like the Me Too, and yeah, I went through that, and, um, and just, like, I didn't feel like, sometimes I didn't feel like we were doing, like, work. Mm, um, okay. Uh, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. You know, um, because you you also wanted to, like you said, be beneficial and not just where you chopping it up with your homegirl. Because you're like, I can do that on my own. Like I'm trying to work through some stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it takes you know because it, but it's hard because you know. Uh, I didn't want to hurt a feeling. You right. know, you want to be nice. You don't yeah. want to, you know, just stop showing up one week. You tell them you have doubts. Do you just stop calling? Do you change your number? You know, like, how do you break up with your therapist? It's so yeah. much. Yeah. So how did you break up with that therapist? Uh, I just stopped going to her. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I just, um, I think, no, I, I think I was sick one week and then like, I may had to, I had to go out of town one week. And then I just stopped setting up appointments. Okay. Okay. Because I, I, you know what? I had doubts in the second session. And I went like six or eight sessions with her. And just trying to be nice. And like, you know, just like, is it me? Like, maybe I'm not trying hard enough. Like, maybe I just need to open up more and just be, Mm -hmm. you know. And there was just a point where I was like, okay. Um, it, it was just unfortunate that like, I just felt in some times, um, you know, I'm explaining something and then she's kind of reframing and resetting what I'm saying to kind of, you know, maybe check that her understanding. And I would just be like, no, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm at all saying. You mm. know, um, it was weird. It was weird. But okay. I just had to listen to myself and there's like, their feelings are not worth you going to that session again and again, like feeling like you're not leaving, feeling anything, you know, feeling, you know, do you feel, and you know, my, your concerns were addressed. Do you feel like even a little fraction, you know, smidge a little bit better, more relief, anything, like, I wasted a month, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's real life. Like, there are many people who will just stay the course with the therapist because they, don't, they are afraid of hurting their feelings. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and like you said, it's not a reflection of her training. She just probably felt a little too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's just got to be a match. Yeah, yeah. Like, has that happened to you? Do people ghost on you? You know, I, okay, so I don't want to toot my own horn, so let me knock on wood. Um, fortunately, <laughs> nobody has left. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Nobody has left me. Um, so I, I, I'm really excited about that. But I think too, like I have a clear understanding of those boundaries. Like I can relate to you. However, I know we're here to do work because you have stuff that you need to work on, and I'm here to support you in that. Yeah. You know. So. I don't know. Like your your therapist, you can like them, but they don't. They are not supposed to be your homegirl. Right, right, you're right. <laughs> you are so right. So therapists out there, we, we, uh-uh. Boundaries. <laughs> yes, then you begin to enter into those dual relationships. So you can't do all, you can't do all that. I have a coffee and all this thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, awesome. Um, And so you are also a writer and an author and one thing I wanted to highlight was a piece you wrote for Ebony Magazine um, about audio therapy how music improved one man's mental health and you know I, and I love music I went to um, uh, art school and my major was music so I love music I'm okay. the choir director um, for the children's choir at my church so you know that's just yeah. what I love to do um, and I was just very excited to read about that music therapy so tell me you writing about that piece like what sparked you writing about that piece um, well they came to me was the idea okay yes um, and which is like the concept and it was just my responsibility to flesh it out uh, but yeah that was just about the benefits of music um, you know on an emotional level and also in terms of like using the clinical or therapeutic setting mm-hmm. uh, and helping people's mental health so whether it's um, writing or producing as far as like catharsis from mm-hmm. that point of view like getting things out and freestyling and you know opening up about different things or um, there was like Nick Hughes, Nick Gaines is one of the people I mentioned in the article who is a frequent guest on our podcast as well as he's the suicide let's see, suicide, suicide prevention program director for the Department of National Defense. Mm. Um, he has used music like in his days as a military chaplain um, just to like get people to connect and you know as far as commonalities and you know using music to like work through different things or like to identify you know, experiences that happen in a song or relate that through your own life, just all types of things um, that music can do. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty powerful thing. It's something that can connect a lot of different people and, you know, that all of us relate to. Everybody likes music. So, yeah. Um, so it's cool that way. Yes, and I think, and it was key too because, you know, I think people think of traditional therapy as always being talk therapy. And no, that's not the case. It's so many other types of therapies that people can have done. I consider writing that way too. Exactly, it is. Writing, you know, it definitely is. And it's it can be part of the therapeutic process, especially in like narrative therapy. You know, so, I mean, that's really awesome. I know for me, the kids I work with, we do a lot of journaling. I, I give them journals and pens and be like, hey, just just write what's going on in your head. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not looking for perfect sentences. Write what's, what's going on in there. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And overlooked, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. And oh, just a part of you being a mental health advocate, you are, it seems like you are always a part of some kind of event. And I know you have one coming up the end of this month, like the mental health extravaganza. Um, I have an event coming up this month on Wednesday, actually. 
Uh, it's called Get Some Joy, a black extravaganza for mental health awareness. Okay. And I just wanted to get folks together to talk about mental health. Um, really, like just a easygoing, non-intimidating, non-clinical, um, engaging, and entertaining way. So I've done a few of these events before, and I just get all types of like awesome folks whose work I adore together to talk about their experiences. Um, in this instance, um, there will be some storytelling and mm-hmm. some other poets and writers sharing their work. Um, some really cool writers, Harry Ziad from Race Bader and Afropunk, Jason P. Smith, who's a poet and a curator, and Elise Leslie, who's a poet, and she's also a mental health advocate um, at uh, InMyMentalMind.com, and um, uh, Daniel Belton from The Root, and Darnell Lamont Walker, who's also a mental health advocate, and mm-hmm. Andrew Shade from BroadwayBlack.com. They'll also be talking with me about self-care and therapy and wellness for black folks and how that affects their work and healing and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. There'll be some music, and it's going to be a cool night. Yeah, it sounds like it. Do you want to tell people where it's at and the date and time, just if they're in their area? Yes, so anyone, yes, it's going to be in Harlem at the Schomburg Center for Research and Black Culture. Uh, it's, uh, it's at 515 Malcolm X Boulevard, which is 135th and Lennox, for anyone else. Um, and it's going to be in the Langston Hughes Auditorium with a reception beforehand in the Langston Hughes Lobby with wine and music and massages and some community folks, uh, resources on hand, giving out information and resources. Um, and you can get tickets at, uh, well, thecollegeboard.com or theextraordinarynegroes.com, but the event site is getsomejoy.eventbrite.com uh. and br. getsomejoy.eventbrite.com and information there and more on the participants and what's going on, how to get involved, and all that kind of stuff. So. Awesome, awesome. I really hope that it's a big hit and maybe I can follow suit and do something here in Milwaukee. Yes, yes. Yes, that is so awesome. Um, So lastly, Mr. Alex, what advice would you give someone who's battling with anxiety, depression, or any other type of mental health issue? Um, I would say, I guess a couple things. One, know that it's okay to not be okay. Um, we have a lot of pressure to succeed, be excellent, be perfect, be strong black woman, strong black man, you know, whoever, whatever you are. We all have our different, you know, pressures. But it, it's okay to, you know, admit that you're not perfect, you're not Superman or Superwoman. And, um, you know, you have some vulnerabilities or some challenges, and it doesn't make you a bad person or weak or it doesn't make you worthless. It just means you have some things to work on. And, um, you know, like you said, some of us are wired differently, and it's, it's not the end of the world. You're not a terrible person. Um, like I said, it's just a, a room for improvement or something to work on. Um, and also, that know that um, reaching out, as far as reaching out to people, uh, more often than not, someone you know is also struggling mm-hmm. um, in kind of way or having some type of challenge or difficulty or experiencing something. Um, so, you know, there's a high chance that, you know, someone will have that same, a similar experience or will be able to relate to you in a way you may not have expected. Um, and also, on that same accord, like, let your, let your family members and your loved ones and your friends, like, let them be your friends. Like, let your mm-hmm. loved ones love you. Like, let people do what they are in your life to do. You know, mm-hmm. give people a chance to, 
Um, and I understand it's scary and I understand all that stuff, but you often be surprised, like, the reaction that you get from people. Um, you know, pick, pick them wisely. You know, you don't mean I have to tell everyone or renounce that Thanksgiving dinner, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe if you identify that person who looks, you know, you think is especially compassionate or you think, you know, they're pretty open-minded or maybe they have underst- would understand just... Um, even if it's just one person, I mean, that's your person you can best that you know you, you vent and tell your things to. It mm-hmm. just, it, it's too much to keep into yourself, and it just it really it it will eventually be to your detriment to keep all of our struggles and hardships like bottled up inside. That's just not why not what, what our emotions are for. So don't keep that all inside. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. I think well said. And again, I thank you so much just for sharing your story and doing what you're doing to get the word out there about mental health. And like you said, it's okay not to be okay. You know, so I just love every piece of that. So I thank you again for joining me for this session of the Evolving Chair Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. No problem. Hi, you guys. I really hope you enjoyed today's session with my guest, Alex Hardy. And again, you can catch him as the other half of the Extraordinary Negroes on all podcast platforms you screen from. So again, you can shoot me an email at tecpodcast2017 at gmail.com or shoot me a message on Facebook, The Evolving Chair Podcast, or on IG, TEC Podcast, and now on Twitter, at TEC Podcast 2017. And just let me know what you think about today's session. And don't forget to review, like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, peace.